Welcome to the Beauties Podcast, where we talk about everything you need to know about women's sports. From the grassroots to the pros, we got it all. Today on the show, we talk about the WNBA and the NWSL drafts, volleyball national championships, and the rivalry series. Here are your hosts, Addie and Cowie. We've got drafts. We do have drafts. We've got drafts and we got all the sports. We got all the sports. PWHPA, Rivalry Series, PHF, we've got it all. WNBA, NWSL, it has been packed. It's been a week. It has been quite the week. And to be honest, Cowie, where do we even start? I don't know. We had to start late today because it's Sunday and we both decided to have a few drinks last night. So we're getting a late start. Getting a little late start, but we're feeling good. Yes, (laughs) we are. We're feeling grand. And even just, we just finished watching the WNBA lottery, and I'll tell you who is also feeling grand. <laughs> yeah. The Washington Mystics. I know, right? Doesn't it, it, it's mind-blowing to me where this is exactly why I don't go to Vegas, because I like my money in my wallet, and gambling is gambling. And although they had, what was it, 17.8% odds of getting the first overall pick. Or Indiana. I know. Or Indiana, 44%. Yeah, 44%. She thought uh, she was just sailing into that first round pick. Second place for them. Oh, my gosh. So then the conversation leads to what do they do? You know, like, because Indiana, they had a little bit of a rough season last year. Mystics, you know, they've got more more veteran leadership, like Natasha Howard, who is actually at the draft, which mm-hmm. is, or Natasha Howard, cloud. oh my gosh, Cloud, come on. On Cloud 9. Natasha on cloud, cloud 9 over here, you know, actually at the draft. So it's like, are they maybe going to go for, you know, more of a upscale prominent player right off the bat? Or are they going to fit with somebody that's going to be a little bit more of a rookie leader uh, learning role? Well, right? and we heard from their head coach, Mike Tebow, right? And he was, that was kind of his comment is they, I like that. They, they went into this, not knowing where they'd be one through four in those picks. They kind of outlined eight or 10 players that they've been studying and, and keeping notes on throughout the year. And now they've got until April to now knowing that they've got the first overall pick and um, making that decision. And you'd be crazy not to think of Ryan Howard. Oh, you know, you'd yeah. be crazy not to think of Ryan Howard. Yeah. You know, she's clearly going to be going top three and and she's definitely on their radar and being from Kentucky, such an incredible team. Like it'd be crazy not to, well, she's definitely in the conversation. Oh yeah. You know, she is. They weren't going to give us any hints, but yeah, exactly. Know, she's top he of was, their list probably. Yeah. He was being, uh, he was being nice by saying that they're, you know, they're looking at the top 10, but they know they're looking at Ryan Howard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and you know, I think one of the things that you and I both commented on during that draft was just how how professional it was. Um, it was led by by women in commentators, analysts. Everyone that was on the podiums for each respective club was a was a woman. It was so nice to see, and it just it looked sharp. And what about it being right in the middle, smack dab of two NCAA D1 basketball games? Yeah, exactly. Like the game before, was it Baylor and Michigan, Michigan yep. going to OT? Yep. Like unbelievable and huge upset with Michigan winning over, I think Baylor's ranked number five, right? Yep. So it's like huge upset. Yep. And then you jump into this 
lottery draft. Like I thought it was just brilliant the way that they put it right in the middle and now they're on to the next game. So totally. very, very well done. Yeah. And it'll be exciting come April to see, you know, where, where this all shakes out. I, I yeah, I agree. You feel bad for Indiana because you got to go in there thinking 44% odds. We're, we're a shoe in. Yeah. And, and there they are in, in, with the second over. And you know what? Second overall picks, not anything to slouch at either. And uh, I, I think they're well aware of that too. So yeah, I was like, Anywhere in the top three, but just when you're looking at the odds, you're like 44%. Okay, Indiana, then who? Yeah, <laughs> right? right? Exactly my totally. thoughts, 100%. And uh, so, yeah, no, it's it's really cool. And I thought it was really interesting how um, Mystics actually had a player. Yeah, that was. Show up and, and represent. And even her uh, her chime into her coach saying, I told you so. I t-, and that's so an athlete, right? Yeah. That confidence. To say, like, send me as our representative to this lottery because I'm going to come home with the first overall pick. Do it. Yeah. Do it. I love it. I would have done the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit cocky, but it's more confidence, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Because even when we look at the NWSL draft as well, I think it was, like you're saying, with the WNBA was great. It was very well put together. Same thing with this, especially with the expansion draft. Yeah. Happening beforehand. Yeah couple little you know what the only thing for the expansion draft you know they they got their first round pick right Mm -hmm. obvious then it got into second round you know angel city had first san diego had second san diego picking christy muis Mm -hmm. obvious but after that there wasn't that much wow factor like i don't think there was too many people like rocking the boat when it came to the expansion draft when we were talking last time about the the women that were eligible to be picked, like yeah, no one you. was stepping up to the place to be like, "Hey, Megan Rapino, let's go to well, San exactly, Diego." Exactly, right? And then with when you know Jill Ellis steps up to the mic, and everyone's experienced Jill Ellis through coaching the U.S. Women's National Team, and and I really liked the rapport that they had between the analysts and and those women in in leadership roles on those two expansion teams. But then when she steps up there and passes in their third and fourth picks. Then you know something's brewing, right? It's like you don't just pass on an expansion draft for no reason. So can, what's up? Can you remember any time in your life where someone has passed in an expansion yeah, draft of any kind? That's right. But it's so – I did – I downloaded actually the – it's like, I don't know, a long document of the NWSL expansion draft, like they're kind of legally binding rules and regulations. And it is confusing to me. Uh, I'll be honest. <clears throat> I don't speak lawyer – extraordinarily well. <laughs> um, and, and so that you're right. It, it doesn't compare in a way that I have experienced through expansion drafts in the past. Um, but you knew as soon as they passed with Christy Mewis and, and the uncertain uncertainty around her going into that with going over to Europe. Um, so you knew something was brewing and it didn't take long for us to see that come through on social media either. Yeah, no. And like, Worst kept secret of all time, mm-hmm. too, with Alex, Alex Morgan. Morgan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alex Morgan going, I thought, and this is just being very honest, I thought it was out there. Like, people have been talking it so much. When, I agree. When they were like, oh, and to now make it official, Alex Morgan is going to San Diego. I was like, wasn't well, it official? <laughs> I swear <laughs> yeah. last week we said it was official. Like, yeah, I, I guess, I like, the same way. through the... Through the grapevine, I guess that that's something that was yeah. You know, with everyone with a computer in their in their pocket via their cell phone, it's impossible nowadays to keep a secret. It seems, and she's so excited to go back. That's you know home stomping grounds for her, and and I think 
Um, we talked about that last episode of of rebuilds and and being that you know staple player in an organization that you believe in, and and being that backbone to grow. And so that's pretty evident with Alex Morgan um, going to San Diego. Yeah, absolutely. And then even they talked about the same thing with Angel City. Um, you know, Danny Weatherholt going first overall in the expansion draft. They were talking like she can jump in right now as their leadership. Like she is easily starter, you know, on and off. They can pull her off the bench easy. Great overall pick, but that was the only thing. And then when Christy Mewis went second overall, you're like, okay, well, maybe they're getting Morgan and Mewis together, and this is going to be an incredible little duo. And then what, 30, no, 30 yeah, minutes later, yeah, she's off to New York? Like, And did you see some of the tweets coming through from the Gotham side? No. Of Carly Lloyd saying, I wish I was still playing. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> sweet. That's when you know you're a beauty. When somebody retires and they're like, damn it. Or, the, or they got a picture posted of her on social media and she's got all the beers wrapped in a big bear hug. And oh, they're like, yeah. you wouldn't want to miss this, would you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Where's no. The, how do I sign up for Yeah, that? let's get in there. So I think overall, like, I think one of the best things that NWSL did was having them essentially back-to-back. Like the 16th expansion draft, you're still thinking about it. You're still, you know, it kind of definitely caught me off guard. And even they were saying there, like, this isn't going to be well-received, but we're actually going to pass. Like, mm-hmm. okay. Then then you're starting to think about it more. And you're like, what is actually going on yep. here behind the scenes that you're going to pass on yep. the opportunity and then you see all this allocation money and, you know, that's where it gets interesting. And that's where it gets fun is you realize behind the scenes, there was a lot of shit going on. Oh, yeah. Their front office staff was on phones that we didn't get to see, right? Yeah. I no. think, uh, you know, that that's a, an interesting point, too, because I don't think that, you know, any of us who are sports fans don't realize the amount of communication and effort that goes into those draft days for those folks where, They've got a team of scouts and people who've been doing homework for an entire year or or longer than that in most cases, and then having to negotiate and and really get into the business side of that in wheeling and dealing players for allocation money and trades and things like that. And honestly, what a smart, like if if, uh, San Diego just wanted cash, like what a smart play. Mm Mm-hmm. Find a player that's going to bring you in a quick 200K yep. and then trade them within half an hour. That was that was incredible to me. I thought that was, well, was it definitely made for an interesting night for sure. Sure did. Sure did. And then leading into, you know, the college draft two days later yep. and with San Diego having first overall pick, I think, um, you know, the college draft for me was, was an interesting one with 50 players going. And you think about, you know, and what, one thing that we haven't looked up is how many players were eligible and then... How many of them now have an opportunity that maybe weren't drafted, but still may end up in the NWSL next year? Or, you know, maybe they report back to their schools. I don't know what that looks like for them. Yeah. But yeah, 50 players going in the NWSL college draft two days later. Yeah. Unreal. And like we were mentioning before, just of like the professionalism of the WNBA. Mm -hmm. Now moving it to the NWSL, like having cameras set up where they were and having that moment, right? Because you think of being drafted into a, you know, like even when we were talking about the Q series with the LPGA the other day, like that is such a huge moment. And so sending cameras home to these women's homes and like 
seeing their families and seeing all the stuff yeah, like it the was emotion, very cool. the tears the the excitement and then seeing them phone into their clubs after they're drafted to um was super special we talked about that last episode a place to dream and it's so evident that both the NWSL and the WNBA these players coming out of elite level you know college university programs they know they have a dream yeah and they've got and they've got that and they've got draft day you know what I mean? Like I even woke up and was like, it's draft day. Yeah, me and too. I, I'm telling you this, I'm not a good soccer player. And I still was like, it's draft day. I cannot yeah. wait to see you. And then Naomi Girma from Stanford goes first overall to San Diego. Obvious pick. And like you were mentioning before, all over social media, everybody's like, this was the right choice. And surrounded by your teammates. Wasn't that fun to oh, watch? Oh, so cool. Like that's Such your best buds cool who moment. have been in the grind with you through it all. Yeah. And they're the ones that you celebrate with. I thought that was really special. Yeah. And it's like, even when you, even like, even when you're on the ice and you score a goal and you look at your bench and the bench is losing it. Yep. It was that exact same thing. Yeah. Like that's the she was kind of like, oh my <laughs> God, I can't believe this happening. And her teammates are losing their minds well, beside her. Like how head, sick is that? In, the, in their head, it's like, of course this is freaking happening. Yeah. You're the like, best player in the country. Of course you're going number one. Yeah. Wouldn't have expected anything other. So that was very cool with also, Jalen Howell from Florida State going to Racing Louisville, Emily Gray, Virginia Tech going to the Courage. Like, it was a big, it was a big night in yeah. the first round. And, you know, one thing that we also were talking about, too, is, you know, Florida State, they just won the NCAA Division Championship, right? Division One Championship. Yep. And Jalen Howell is the only one from Florida State going in that first round. Like, that was a little bit of a... Well, and yeah, we don't know how many, like we talked about, we don't know how many players are graduating, but you would assume when you're a national championship team that you probably got some teammates not far behind you. Yeah. And Jalen Howell, when we watched those games, I mean, it was evident that she was a key player for FSU, right? And, and I mean, in the finals there and her run-ins with Michaela Coulihan, um, they both ended up with yellow cards on plays against each other. Like she was a shining star for that team. So to see her go second overall, uh, is exciting, and I think she's going to probably make some waves next year in the NWSL. Yeah, agreed. And even looking, like, even in that Santa Clara FSU final with uh, Julie Doyle going 11th overall to Orlando Pride, and even looking at the Pride, like, I know there's been some huge movement there with, you know, Allie and Ashlyn moving mm-hmm. and, yep. you know, a couple key players. They had three First round picks. I know. I made some notes too. And, and that was interesting where you saw certain teams really take advantage. And then and that I think highlights our questions last week of who's looking at rebuilds or who just has gaps to fill, right? Lace, ra- racing Louisville and Ole Rain having six picks each in that college draft. Uh, North Carolina having three in the first round. Um, oil rain making four trades like there was a lot happening and so you you gotta wonder um if they're just filling gaps or if there's something else on the go yeah and you well yeah you gotta think that there's something there's something brewing there you gotta think about that for sure because even um angel city even after the expansion draft and even looking into the college draft they didn't even get their first pick until 28th and they took um hope from illinois Beslin. so it's like how you go from San Diego, who gets how many first of her, overall? First and overall, and then the ninth pick too, and the ninth, and then Angel City's not till twenty. Yeah, the third round. Yeah, you know, like holy moly, yeah. that's that's a big gap. So it was. that'll be super interesting to watch how that kind of folds. But yeah, no, San Diego has just been 
absolutely on fire with who they've picked. And I think, wasn't it fun to watch? Like, that It was a unique organization to me. And if anyone, I mean, if you don't follow them on social media, I would encourage you to do so. Because even seeing the thought that went into their logo was amazing to me. The color schemes. And they had, they did a really good breakdown on Instagram of this. It's so, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's a, a very bright lit wave with, you know, it's blues and and purples and pinks with kind of that sandy beach tones and they break down why they chose it and what those colors represent of that location in San Diego and I I mean I thought that this was top-notch this for for me from a, a perspective of a former athlete in seeing these women have an opportunity to play in an established league that did it this well was I honestly it was an honor to watch it it was yeah. fun I agree. And, you know, you talk about logos because they asked um, Lori Lindsay, the beautiful Lori Lindsay, and uh, who can still rock a mullet. She sure, and a freaking popped collar with a knitted sweater. Let's like go. she rocked it all. Let's go. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Totally agree. And she, they asked her, like, which logo would you prefer? Like, which one do you like? And you're right. Like, there's so much in the San Diego logo of like, honestly, just pure pride of where they're from. Uh, Isn't that the truth? Yeah. And then you look at um, Angel City and it's just like fresh. Yep. It's like straight fresh. I'm like, their apparel is going to be lit. Well, and that's, and you think about that from growing up in a team sport and playing that and wearing that sweater and the pride you have, it, it matters what your logo looks like. Agreed. It does. Agreed. And so they both did a great job. I'm excited to watch the NWSL next year for sure. Yeah. So yeah, like the expansion draft, to be honest, in my opinion, like if we're, if we're going to have a conversation of who won the draft, Mm -hmm. to be honest, I think with the drafting of Chrissy Mewis and then the trade after, I honestly, I think I'd have to go with San Diego. Yeah, I know. It's hard to pick. It's, it's hard to pick because Danny Weatherhold is a huge pickup for Angel City, but you could see that there was after play. You could see that there was stuff going on behind the scenes where they're like, okay, we're going to take Chrissy Mewis. We're going to then, then trade her. We're going to get this money. We got first overall. Like, in my opinion, like, yeah, San Diego, San Diego it, or, came to play. They definitely set themselves up to have an opportunity to succeed in year one. Yeah. Yeah. So even, okay, we're talking about college draft for, for soccer. I tuned in, uh, like, all eyes on to NCAA volleyball, which Huge. was, yeah. So the, <clears throat> just for everyone who's not aware, the NCAA women's volleyball semifinals and then finals were this week. So we had number 10, Nebraska playing number three, Pittsburgh in the semi. And then we had number four, Wisconsin versus 32 and O on the season, number one ranked Louisville. And so uh, tuning into those semifinal games, volleyball for me is uh it's got a special place in my heart. We talked about in, I think it was episode one, fostering that competitive nature in your soul. I grew up playing volleyball in, in high school. And uh, I played, I grew up in a small town, but I, I tried out for varsity volleyball in grade nine and made the team. And I remember saying to my coach, it's okay. Don't cut the kid in grade 12. I'll play next year. Yeah. And she came back and said, even if you choose to not play, I'm not taking the kid in grade 12. And for me, Rhonda Young, who was my high school volleyball coach, was the person who lit a fire on it being okay 
to be a competitor in yeah. sports and to accept achievements with humility. And so volleyball for me, this was so refreshing. So they were, they were absolute phenomenal games, all of them, the semifinals and the final Nebraska came out against Pittsburgh and, you know, they beat them three sets to one. They were down in the second set, 18, 17, and they rallied on an eight and two run to win that set. Um, they had a sixth year player in Lauren Strivens who was returning just to try and make a run for a national championship. They beat number two, Texas in the quarters to get into the semis. Um, you know, underdog story in Nebraska, they've won the national t- championship five times in the past. So they clearly know how to do it. And they, they, they literally worked their way into a, a national final. And then on the other side, we had Wisconsin versus Louisville, Louisville being undefeated on the season. 32-0, and 0. and Wisconsin battled them. Fifth set was tied at five, and then Wisconsin went on a 10-4 and four run to clinch a, a, a berth into that final. And so going into the final yesterday, Saturday, the 18th, Nebraska versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin came out, a, they looked like they were kind of sleeping, quite honestly. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, yeah. they were not prepared. Um, Nebraska takes the first set. Wisconsin comes back in the second set, and that one was back and forth, back and forth. They ended up taking it 31-29 in the second set. Uh, They take the third set, 25-23, I believe, and then Louisville battles back in the fourth set to take that 25-23. And then in the fifth set, which only goes to 15 for those of you who aren't volleyball fanatics, Wisconsin goes on a 7-0 run to start, and Nebraska takes a timeout, and they figure out how to rally back, and they ended up... On the hands of Dana Retke, who again is a returning player in her fifth year. She's a four-time All-American. She's six foot eight, an absolute beast for Wisconsin. And she, after a rally, I think, what did you and I say? It went like seven oh. or eight times back and forth across the net. It was unbelievable. It was wild. It was bodies were flying it everywhere. These women yeah, were wild. putting it all on the floor. Yeah, and and that's what I mean. And so that. That game, that whole uh, series of semifinals and finals was so fun to watch. I really enjoyed the fact that we had a freshman in Anna Schmreck who's six foot nine. Yeah. Who had 14 kills in the final. She was ended up being named the most outstanding player of that whole NCAA tournament. Um, Canadian girl from Ontario. I was Ontario. just going to say, and Canadian. Yeah. So that was super fun to watch. The whole thing. I mean, it was, it was outstanding. A start to finish, like a star-studded event. The women, the women showed up in their buses, red carpets That's right. lined up for them. That's right. Fans for days. They were everywhere. Broke attendance records. Yep. Literally could not, and especially with it being an upset, Wisconsin never winning before, yeah. never winning. It's like, how, how do you even start to comprehend what that means like oh. for, for that program moving forward? Yeah. Like you have most outstanding player. Yep. You have a national championship. You've got all these different things. And the women that are in that locker room right now experienced that entire event where they couldn't walk two feet without a little kid running up and asking for oh, their I autograph. I and know. like, what was it? Like 18,000 people showed up to that game. Like, and the best is that the Huskers and the Badgers are both red and white. So you oh, couldn't yeah. tell when you looked, you know, like most, if you go to a, for us in Winnipeg, you go to a Jets game, they're playing Chicago. It's very evident who's a Jets fan because they're in blue and it's very evident yeah. who's not. Totally. Or any other team. There, it was like, you almost didn't know other than who yelled at what point. Yeah. 
It was no. just a sea of red. The whole whole building was a sea of red. And the one thing I have always loved about just like NCAA sports is the bands. The band had <laughs> yeah, like yeah. 15 rows. They were just rocking. Yeah. And it's like, that is that is a moment that could never be replaced. Oh, it's like, imprinted in their souls. You know, for all sure. the stats that you mentioned coming back, they were down, they're up. They're yeah. like, how could you even like that's a storybook ending. Well, I could, and the thing is, so I was saying to Addie before this, my partner had a, a Christmas party last night for her hockey team. And uh I was watching it at home and I I put my phone in my pocket, but I didn't turn the game off because I was glued to it. So I'm, you know, giving my hey, how are you? And, and talking to to some of the parents of her team, but uh, in my pocket, I'm pulling it out, checking yeah. the weather. But I it's actually it. the Wisconsin Nebraska volleyball game. Let me just check and see who <laughs> texted me right now as yeah. the crowd goes yeah. wild. So I had it on mute. Yeah, I, I thought about putting an AirPod in an ear, but I thought that's a bit much. That's not with a toque. Yeah, hide it under the toque, and then you could just do the old fist pump in the corner by yourself, yeah. like at all the Christmas all the parties. Breaks. But yeah, like. Wisconsin, like what more than can you say than like you just beast moded it? Oh, they did. You just can, did. like you just went out there and you're right. Like you kind of came out and Nebraska's won before. They came like they knew the environment. They yep. knew what they were walking into. Wisconsin, they had to fight. Oh yeah, and Nebraska and put fought. up a fight. Like I think they had. I I didn't write it down, but I feel I think it was like ninety or ninety one digs. Wow, in that final. And that was the thing for me. I mean, like I said, grew up playing volleyball, but for those of you who don't know me, I'm short. (laughs) (laughs) I've got long arms and I can jump, but I was short. And and I remember standing across the net from 6'2 middles, 6'3 middles, and and feeling like a a very short volleyball player. These women are 6'8 and 6'9. Dana Recchi is 6'8. Anna Schmeck is 6'9. The amount of blocks and the amount of block touches that then made these rallies go 7 or 8 across the net was wild, but 91 digs, like... That's it, insane. Yeah, the defense was just... And, and the transition from defense to offense was insane to me. Well, Being able to dig a ball and then, you know, hit in the middle on a slot. Like, it was just... It, yeah. it, it's outstanding caliber ball. And, and that was... You know what? You just reminded me of something because that was what the commentators kept saying the entire match was the defense that's happening right now is absolutely next level. Oh, it was. They were not like, wrong. Like, offense didn't win that game. Defense won that game. How many game. times have we heard that? Offense wins games. Defense wins championships. Oh, baby. What a saying. Right. That's right. Well, Damn right. Anyways, I will be excited for, you know, we. I think we need to to do our homework a little bit of, of where the Dana Retkeys end up yeah. in their professional careers and to continue to vo- follow volleyball. Um, but... I'm addicted to volleyball again. I'll tell you that. That was so good. That was so good. And I'm even trying to think of like in the, between volleyball and basketball, the only other person I can think of that's in that six, nine caliber is Brittany Griner. It's a, that's an elite level size player. Yeah. Like six, you can't, nine. you can't buy six, and, nine. And, and then they were saying in the broadcast, which I thought was interesting, both Dana Recchi and Anna Schmreck were dancers growing up. And Whoa. they actually attribute some of their now athletic ability. Like, I think Anna Schmeck started playing volleyball in grade eight. And they contribute a lot of their success to the body awareness that they learned from dance because they were always a tall kid. Wow. Yeah. Which That's... I thought, isn't that interesting to have that comparison yeah. of 
where you, you know, and I, I say that lots, like you, we, we've seen it more so for us in hockey, but that, you know, we call them gangly hockey players. Like they grow before <laughs> everyone else and they're just kind of arms and legs everywhere. And the first one who figures out their body and understanding how their body moves and controlling the movement of their body is the one that you see then absolutely skyrocket. And I think that's the example of these two women. Muriel McIntyre, girl I played hockey with, six-two <laughs> baby, held that blue line like nobody's business. She was unbelievable. She's actually going for an LPGA card right now too. So no it's like kidding, yeah. Cool. But you're right that the size, like even when you think of Brittany Griner in the WNBA, like you know John Quill Jones is what six-six, like six-nine is another yep. whole other category. Like that's unbelievable. So yeah, volleyball top-notch, unbelievable this yep. past weekend. It was good. It and was good. And even thinking about the things that happened this past week, right? Like we've been drafts and volleyball and stuff. Like we still had the rivalry series of Canada, US and hockey. We still had the PWHPA and showcase and the PHF with some regular season games. So like this is, this has there been quite the week. <laughs> there was a lot. And Addy and I make a calendar of the week. And so that we, we kind of scour the internet uh, to understand what events are happening. And, um, you know, I would I would encourage anyone listening, if you have feedback on, I don't want to call them um, non-mainstream, but sports that we haven't talked about so far that we should start paying attention to, reach out to us because we build a calendar every week so that we can stay on task because um, that's the goal here is to bring you content that matters and, and to give you a place to come and, and get up to speed with what happened this week. And there was a lot, there's a lot of hockey games. There's a ton a, of hockey games. So much hockey. There's so much hockey that happened. And even just to feed off of what Cowie was just saying in regards to all these other sports, like even when we were, we went on our little curling thing at the beginning, like those, those happen in just little tournaments. So, yep. you know, have to be touching yeah, on we've those got for sure. Like, in Portage La Prairie this weekend. Come on. I think. No, it's not this weekend. It's, it is yeah, it's the, coming it, up. Yeah. It's yeah. over the over the holiday break. But yeah, like there's there's all sorts of stuff. And and if you if you have ideas or, or places that we should focus, let us know. Yeah. And but hockey ads. Like where do we start? Rivalry I was just series? gonna say because what sorry? Where do we start? Rivalry series? Oh you, like because there's so many different things. Like rivalry series just came off you know, games five and six heading into game seven. And they're going to be ending up in Canada and Edmonton and Red Deer for the final two games of their series. But like, there are so many storylines heading into the Olympics that is literally six weeks away. Yeah. Oh, isn't that, that's an interesting point too. Yeah. It's, it doesn't, it feels like it's coming up fast. It's because exciting. yeah, no, because us team USA has cut down their roster to Olympic size. So they've made it so like this could be their team. Mm -hmm. You know, they can shuffle a couple of things around. But Canada, they still, still got some cuts to make. They still got some cuts to make. And they just released three well, before going to St. Louis, they released three players, uh, Jamie Bordenay, uh, Julia Gosling, and um uh, Jesse Eldridge. So they they released three players mm -hmm. and they still have to release more. And it was interesting because in game five. I felt like not just Team Canada, but I felt like USA also came out a little bit slow. Yeah, it was. They were fighting the puck a little bit. They mm -hmm. weren't they weren't as polished, say as they normally would be, whereas game six was just fire. Well, it was insane. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. I think um game game five uh felt rusty, felt like 
There was some hesitation. It felt like we lacked emotion, quite honestly. It didn't feel um, in that game like the typical Canada-U.S. rivalry that we're used to seeing. Um, Game six, totally different story. Yeah, totally. And even like we're talking about record attendance in volleyball this past weekend. Same thing. Sold out crowd in St. Louis. Sold out crowd in St. Louis for these women to compete, which was so great to see. And the one thing that I found interesting about both these games plus one prior is we're getting a lot of OTs. We're getting a lot of extra hockey going on here. Did you hear that stat? So uh, I think it was the game five game. Um, They rattled off a stat and I did not write it down, but I fact check me someone, but I believe that they said that 34 games between Canada and the U S have been decided by a three, two margin. That's wow. the end score. And 18 of those three, two games have been decided in overtime. Wow. And if we think back to the worlds in August, three, two final and OT. And then these two, not, not all three twos, but the first game, game five, two, one final in OT game six, three, two final for Canada also in OT. Yeah. It's, it's like, and, and, there's so many different conversations that we could have around this, like the the shaking up of the roster, yep. the, you know, the different coaching styles, all the different things. Because for me, for Canada right now, like even thinking, you know, Megan Mickelson yeah. just coming off of that knee injury, yep. getting back into the lineup, just started getting back into quote unquote hockey shape in October, you know, like on the defensive end. When I look at like quote unquote lock-ins for the Olympics, you think Joss Rock, oh, obviously. Yeah. Yep. Seasoned veteran. And then you got Renata Fast and Aaron Ambrose. But then you've got like Ashton Bell competing for a spot, Ella Shelton, Claire Thompson, Micah Zandy Hart. Like for me, I'm like the defensive core of what Hockey Canada is going to be heading into this Olympics. Like, are we going to go younger? Well, and we mentioned, I think that's a great point, Ads, because we mentioned that when we were talking before we we hit record today, was about the shift that we've seen in the last, let's call it calendar year for Hockey Canada. Because we went on a string there where U.S. had our number. Yep. It was very evident. And they took a shift away from uh, some of the leadership that they had. They They, you know, moved some of those older players out and went with a younger core they kept some of the key leadership that they had that can still compete at that level but they really went younger and we lagged we held on to leadership and we we waited and 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 now we're starting to see this younger like you're saying the competing of the Ashton Bells and the Claire Thompsons into these rosters and now we're back to that caliber that we became so accustomed to in the Canada US series that it is the most elite level hockey on this planet. Yeah. And you got to think Troy Ryan and his staff are really considering that. Like, are we going to go with this younger talent? Like there's no disputing Sarah Fillier. I agree. There's no disputing that. Even though I, I found it interesting how it's almost like everybody wanted her and Poulin to play with one another. They're (laughs) like, please let Fillier play with Poulin. And then she gets on a line with Spooner and Daus. Yep. And she pockets the goal. Like, and the thing that I liked about 
Fillier in in game five and game six was she she's a standout player, mm-hmm. but she didn't overdo it. Like she yep. wasn't like, oh my God, everyone's talking about me right now. I'm this big, whatever. Like her goal was a legit straight up driving up the far side, seven hole beauty yep. where yeah, you know right. she was thinking, shoot far pad so there's a rebound. Shoot far pad so there's a rebound <laughs> yeah, I don't get yeah. shit on. Yeah. You know, like you know that she still kind of has that rookie mindset where she's thinking, I don't want to screw up, but yeah. she's just making nice clean plays and utilizing the people around her. I agree. And I think too, the leadership that they have with the Poulens and the Joss LaRocks, we've talked about, like you and I grew up playing with Joss and it's so fun to watch her game evolve and to where it is now, where I don't know that she has a hole in her game today. She defensively is as sound as she's ever been. She still plays on an edge. That is perfect to me. Yeah. Um, and she's found a way to engage offensively. I mean, she was an assist on both, like, Poulin scored the winning goal in OT of both game five and game six on an assist from Joss. You got to think, like, is Joss going to be a winger now with Poulin? <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to move her up. Yeah, Joss, let's go here. Yeah, that, well, then we well, changes our discussion on D because there's yeah. now another. Fair, fair, <laughs> fair, fair. But you got to think, like, both game winners – both coming from Joss to Pula and like that is pretty that's pretty and she she has this ability to know when to call her own number she's the most defensive defense you'll ever find in your life but still manages to sneak on the offensive flair yeah like she knows when to call her number it's amazing yes it is and that's what I mean like to see her game evolve to where it is now where now she's like I I don't know to me she is uh, one of the best D in the world at this point and um, it'll be interesting to see who they end up releasing as they f- finalize that roster. I know we got three games left, so Canada's up 4-2 in the rivalry series now. Yeah. We've got the game on Monday in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul. And then I like that we have kind of we're, we're backboning on the World Juniors Agreed. in a game in on the 3rd of January in Edmonton and then on the 6th of January in Red Deer. Both of those are hub cities of the World Juniors. I like that play. I... I think if there's going to be the rowdiest crowd, it's going to come from Red Deer. Red well, Deer is going to show You're probably up. not wrong. I've they had a few gonna, beers in Red Deer. Yo, you betcha. <laughs> and, you know, even even with the lineup changes from game five to game six with, with uh, Emma Maltese and Ashton Bell being put up into the lineup for Canada, I really enjoyed Emma Maltese because I'm like, this... This woman's competing. Mm-hmm. This woman is here. She was on every four check. She she was just going. Her back pressure was yep. unbelievable. Caused a turnover, almost got a goal. Like she she to me definitely should be on the radar solely for that energy player. Level of compete. Yeah. yeah. That energy player that you can just look at and be like, get on the ice. And stir the pot. But and it's stir the same, it it's the same kind of conversation of Jamie Lee Ratray. Very true. Very limited minutes. But when we saw her in the worlds, um, was an absolute pivotal I think she saw nine minutes in that game or something like yep. that. And ends up scoring, I think it was the tying goal that sent them to OT that again, Poulen, golden goal girl, hello, uh leading them to uh, the first world championship in a while. Um, but yeah, you have those, those kind of players that, you know, are game changers that you can't leave off your roster 
They have a place. Are they playing regular minutes? Not necessarily, but they're just as key as anyone else. Because you're you're bang on in the fact because Jamie Lee Rattray, she had a, I think she was like the final shot in the third period because she always has this ability to just break away from the play. And, and she plays get, like big minutes, like yeah, big, yeah. big situational minutes, right? She doesn't log, I shouldn't say big minutes in that way. She doesn't log big minutes, but she plays in big situations. Yeah, very true. And I would put, and you know, for, for Emma Maltese, she stuck out to me because I just thought like, wow, like you are, you're putting it all on the line for this team and looking at the roster, it's, you know, as of right now, Ashton Bell from, uh, Duluth, she's playing at Duluth, her affiliate from Princeton and Emma Maltese from Ohio state. Every other player is from the PWHPA. Yeah. Every other player. So these aren't just like sporadic games where, you know, she just had a good one-off. Mm-hmm. They're in it. Oh, and yeah. Emma Maltese, she definitely earned her name in the conversation of being For on sure. the Olympic team. But the one, the one player that I was kind of waiting for the big push because I, you know, I think she's an incredible player was Blair Turnbull. Mm. I didn't see much from Blair and normally she's that player that's like out there and she's such an aggressive she plays body. A game she plays sure. a hard nose game. Absolutely. And I felt, I didn't hear her name much, yeah. you know? So it just taking it back to that conversation of Troy Ryan and his staff, is this going to be a team of young veterans where you're going to bring in maybe a Emma Maltese, Sarah Fillier, and, Make some big changes. I don't know. I and and you gotta believe that they all know that it's still in tryout phase. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, you think of the tryouts that you've had in your life and you are if you're a Blair Turnbull and you're feeling that in the dressing room, you better be hoping that you still get to put a sweater on for three more games, right? It's it is. It's cutthroat at that level. Yeah, absolutely. And I just I just think it was uh, game five to me wasn't as big of a teller as game six. Yeah. And even when you're looking at team USA, like you got your coins, you've got your knights, but there was a lot of incredible speed happening on the other side of the puck. Like I know we're so hockey Canada focused, but team USA, like they've got the gas going, like they are pushing as hard as they possibly can for this team. and. There was so many cool storylines because even with Carpenter yeah. not being asked to be on the Olympic team, getting mm-hmm. cut at the very last minute, now she's here. Yep. And not only just here, on the first line. <laughs> here to stay. It here looks to like. stay. Yep. She was unbelievable. And, pe- and like Amanda Kessel, Brian, Brianna Decker, like the Kessel, Kessel may be the fastest. I know Coyne, I know uh, Coyne I know. Yeah. is always like, okay, she did the um, fastest lap. In the NHL All-Star game and and, and now legendary. That's called something like that. We should look that up. You got a computer. Yeah, me. absolutely. I will she definitely. wrote a book called something. Be as fast as me. That's not it, but it's something. Yeah, like something around there. I'll find <laughs> it. I'll find it. But there's like Amanda Kessel who is just so dynamic. But that's, I, I think that's a really good point is that that U.S. team, and this is, I would say for the last, oof, Three, four years for sure is next level speed. Yeah. 
they're doing something right in their programming from a skills development perspective because they have it is and and you can tell if you put these two rosters next to each other from a um, goals for goals against power play goals perspective but then if you put shots on net like us will have a, a lead on us all day and that's really speed related yeah no agreed a, a thousand percent agreed and they're their ability, like, so every, everybody right now is like pool and night, pool mm-hmm. and night, right? But you have to have complementary players with them on that, right? Yep. Like, Knight scored the goal, went off a player, which it is what it is. Yeah, that's shit, kind like, of a goal scorer's luck. Shit, yeah, shit happens or whatever. But it's like, they they have Keller, Deckard, um, Cameron Easy, uh, like, so many huge players on this roster that it's like, Joel Johnson, even, um, oh my gosh, who got in the fight there? Murphy. Yeah, Murphy yeah. was freaking rocking. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Murphy was rocking. And so that brings me on a whole other topic because Emily Clark, and I know that I've talked to you about a lot about this, is we need to come up as like a world of how we're going to talk about hitting in women's hockey mm-hmm. because Emily Clark takes on an American player. It's a freaking textbook. She comes around, stick out to eliminate the lane, brings it back, hip, take, takes the hands away, comes, a, comes out with the puck, keeps her feet moving, and she gets a body checking penalty. I know, because it made a noise. Because it made a noise and she <laughs> fell down. Yeah. Every, it's like soccer. Fall <laughs> down, get the, you yeah, know. Card it, flashes. Or, exactly, yeah. right? So fall down, and the same thing happened with Rebecca Johnston. Like, we're making really strong hockey plays. Mm-hmm. We're not out there like in the, what, is, what do they call it? The danger zone, like a meter yeah, away yeah. from the board, yeah. smoking people from the shoulders. We're no. literally talking about textbook angling hits. Yeah, positional plays. That's all it is. That's all it is. Emily Clark comes out from honestly maybe one of the most textbook angling. She just finishes all the way to the boards, comes yep. out with the puck, about to go D to D, rip it out the other side, east-west. And she gets a penalty. That shit, I'm just so over it because it's such a good hockey play. Yeah, and you know, I think about, I mean, you and I, have, we're not young and it's gotten better. So let's give it credit where it's due. It has gotten a ton better. I do love that we now have all female referees who a lot of them yeah. have grown up in the game and are at that level. Um, but you're right. It does change the game even for one or two calls to go the wrong way because now you have hesitation and it, yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay the evolution of our refereeing because it has gotten a ton better. Agreed. Agreed. We're still, yeah, we still got a ways to go for sure. In, in such a big game. Yeah. It, cha- such it a big changes game. the game. Could you imagine if that was a gold medal game, right? Yep. And you come down, you've been practicing angling your whole life. Yep. And hips to you, hands, hips to hands, hips to hands, take away the puck, you yep. don't, and and that the, and that's the call. I know. Like it just doesn't. That's what I mean. And it creates this level of hesitation that yeah. shouldn't exist in the game, right? Which so. which then takes away from the ability to play the puck properly. Yep. Right. Because then then we're in chase mode instead of control. Yep. Then we're not being able to actually control the puck, make a play, move it out the other side. Yeah. Now we're like, oh shit. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> yeah. that. To me, I think that's a huge conversation on women's hockey. They obviously do such a such a good job of it now. Um, but I can still picture There's still room. 
There's still room, and I can always picture the grandma in the stands being like, "Hey, yeah, you, you can't hit my grandma. You can't hit Gabby." Yeah, it's like, it's <laughs> that like, made right. such a loud noise. <laughs> I hear you. I could. I I 100% agree. I just yeah. I do think like I think back to when we played, and if you were sturdier on your feet, and someone fell down, that used to be a body checking penalty, and, yeah. and we've got away from that. Um, but there are still yeah those very. Very game-changing calls that change the way that a player approaches any play on the ice that that need to improve. Agreed. So, yeah, next game coming up, game seven out of nine being hosted in Minneapolis. I'm sure it's going to be an unbelievable. That's always event. good. That's a good hockey state. That's man. a the hockey state right there. So I cannot wait uh, to see how that one ends up. And honestly, if it ends up in OT. More hockey, the better. Yeah, no shock. And I love three on three. Yeah, I love it. It's such a fun dynamic. <laughs> Isn't it? It's such a fun dynamic. Especially when we got Joss hopping into the play. Oh, yeah. Call my number. One. Let's yeah. go. Hello. I love that. So even, because even when we're thinking about this with the rivalry series, even on top of it, the PWHPA is still going on in Toronto. Yep. And damn, good hockey. It was good hockey. You know, unfortunate that um, obviously now with the pandemic, things are very fluid and and stuff is changing. So we only saw one game in that preliminary. So we saw Calgary and Minnesota. We missed out on seeing Toronto versus Montreal, um, yeah. which was canceled. But the Calgary-Minnesota game was, was awesome. It ended up in a 3-3 tie after regulation. We saw an absolutely insane save by Kelsey Roberts in overtime. Um, and then Sarah Potomac finishing it for Calgary to send them to the quote unquote final against Toronto at Scotiabank center. So yeah, it was, it was, it was good hockey. It was fun to watch. Um, I do think the rivalry series for me was, was the, the key stakeholder in my hockey events compared to the PWHBA, just from a, a viewership perspective. Yeah. I still think the PWHBA has a ways to go in that, um, area from a fan perspective, but the hockey is so good. So good. And you're right. Like the thing that I like to see within hockey is that it's not nine, one. Oh, like these yeah, are no. three, three games. Yeah. Like these are competitive right. games yeah. through and through the more close scores. Like we can see from that across numerous leagues, the better. And so I agree it. Oh yeah. And so I just didn't want the, the games again. And that's the interesting comparison between the PWHPA and the PHF is that I think we see more parity in the PWHPA than we have seen in the PHF, right? So right now in the PHF, this was, so Toronto six, their first year in the league and they're out to a blazing start. Yeah. I, you know, they won this morning. Um, so that puts them with a seven, one and one record and they're out on top of the league. And then we've got the comparison to someone like the Buffalo Buttes at the bottom of the league who's only got one win to their record. Yeah, like Toronto 6 to me is by far the biggest, like, I don't want to say quote-unquote shock, but it's like the Connecticut Whale, you know, they yeah. had like second overall pick last year, uh, the Boston Pride. They've got such a dominant roster. Obviously, things are being affected with covid um, as of right now, because Pride and the Riveters had to cancel their series this weekend. But mm-hmm. um, for me, the Toronto Six, like what a blazing start. Oh, outstanding. And some like huge, some huge plays by like they've got kind of this core of players, right? Cava, 
Um, MGM. Give me your name, ads. Oh, Michaela Grant-Mintis? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Emma Woods. Um, Taylor Woods. Taylor Woods. Like, yeah. They, they, they've got players. Yeah. Like, they're... Lindsay Eastwood. Yeah, they've yeah. got a roster that's producing. Um, where we see some of these other teams that they're they're struggling for offense, they're they're struggling on defense, um, but they've got kind of that one line that's that's carrying them through. That Toronto roster is super deep. Yeah, and it's it's awesome to see like even somebody like you were saying MGM. I like that. Yeah. Michaela Grandmentes, <laughs> you know, eight games, four goals, nine assists, thirteen points overall, and a plus thirteen. Like that's a that's yeah, she's a, lights out. Yeah, you yeah. should watch her. <laughs> yeah, well, you should, like defensively, and you, you can know? see her. She's one of those players that understands. Like she's got such body awareness with the puck, and every time she has the puck in the offensive zone, she's thinking shoot, right? Like she, she's not someone who's who's taking a pass way out in front of her. Like she's she's bringing that puck into a, a position where she's either going to pass or she's going to shoot, but she is thinking score. Yeah, every time, right alongside Emma Woods. Like oh. right alongside Emma yeah. Woods, because right there they are, they're cruising right they now. They are that. So they won four nothing um, in their first game the, of the weekend against the Minnesota Whitecaps, and I think it was the second goal of the game. They're on the power play, and Emma Woods gets the puck uh, on the wall at the goal line and takes the ice, opens herself up, and goes bar down. Like she, again, they're thinking offense, yeah, and they have the skill set to match it. Yeah, they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be tough to beat um, unless something changes. Like, let's hope that they don't have any kind of injuries or or stuff like that. But right now, they're cruising. Yeah, and you got to think that Connecticut Whale and the Pride, like, they're definitely top three right mm-hmm. now. Riveters, they've got veteran leadership like Madison Packer. You know, she's definitely making some noise in the dressing room right now, being fourth. Um, there's. I think there's going to be like definitely Toronto six, especially with them being in their second season yeah. off to an incredible start. Oh, yeah. You correct me. Good one. What? <laughs> correct me there. Second season. What did you say? First. Oh yeah. No second season last year, but last year was kind of like, yeah, it didn't really count. Yeah. So it's like, and then the whale and then the pride, like they are, those are like original teams. Like they're established. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they've been in the draft. Like, you know, like, so I think that it, like heading down to the end final, well, this was the final into the for 2021, heading into the beginning of 2022. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of movement, especially within the white caps um, and the buttes, the bottom two spots. You know, they've got to be making some pretty hefty roster changes there. Yeah, exactly. And that and that's the thing. We've we're gonna see not until the eighth of January, according to what I got in front of me here. So we've got a little bit of a break. Um, I think the P- PHF, sorry, is uh, they're poised for a, a lot of fun things. I think in the new year, I really like how easy it is to watch. Yeah. We can find that on like when we build our calendar every week, there is multiple channels in which you can, you can find PHF games. So if you're looking for something to watch, some of their stuff streamed on Twitch, which is free for people to find. Um, it's, it's really good hockey. I would encourage people to, to take a peek at that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so many, there's so many advantages that they have just having a regular season. Do you know what I mean? Like they just, uh, they just hope that COVID doesn't screw screw it it up, up. (laughs) screw it up. Because like, even when you saw the bubble last year, right. It's like they were having the time of their lives in the bubble last year. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden got a call or quit. So hopefully 
sending good vibes that none of none of that shit ever happens because it's it's about time for it to go away. Yeah, but, we all need the entertainment value too. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, like to talk about everything that's happened this week, like there is it was busy. Yeah. It was a busy week. What a fun one. Yeah. A lot so of entertaining good. female sports. It was super fun. And we didn't we didn't even really touch on NCAA basketball. Like there's so much stuff happening here. Like it was a it was a good week. Sure was. Very, very good week. So um Cowie. Final words. Final words, I think, from from both you and I. It's been a fun ending for us to 2021. Again, thank you for everyone who tuned in and continues to tune in. Uh, thank you for your feedback. And from me, it's I just hope that everyone gets to spend some time with family and friends uh, over the holidays, and we'll see you after Christmas. Cheers.